Good morning, everybody. Welcome to chapel. As you all know, here at Goshen College, one of our five core values is servant leadership. And one of the ways that Goshen concretely facilitates service throughout the world is through the Service Inquiry Program. In the Service Inquiry Program, students are given the opportunity to spend three months of service volunteering with a church-related service organization. The idea is that these students can inquire into the service field and discern whether service is a valid option uh, for their vocational future. This is the seventh year that we have participated in a SIP. Uh, in those seven years, 45 students have been involved in the program and 30 different service organizations. This past summer, nine of us volunteered in the service or inquiry program, and six of us are here to share with you this morning. To open the service of worship, please turn in your blue hymnals to number 76. Praise, I will praise you, Lord. We will be singing all three verses.
Hi, my name is Isaac Beachy. And I'm Anna Hayde. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the challenges that we both experienced while we were on Service Inquiry program this past summer. Um, the reason that we're doing this is because some of the people we're talking about more of the, um, I don't know, the happy or the positive aspects of serving and, and the Service Inquiry program. And we just want to make sure that it's realistic and that it's not um, a shining image of happiness or anything like that. <laughs> um, so I'll start. I was in Washington, D.C. I was working, my placement was at an a organization that was attempting to help the homeless population um, in D.C. and I was a caseworker there, which meant that people would come to me and I would assist in distributing resources um, or just a general life coach. Um, um, challenges Anna and I were talking last night about to say today, and one of the thoughts that we had had was that there are there are two different kinds of challenges. There are the, those challenges that that are they're challenges, but they're good. Like in the end, you learn something, and and you learn you adapt or you you can deal with them in some way. And then there are those there are also those challenges that that aren't that good. Like you you could do without. Like um, so, I'll start with. One of, the, one of the challenges that I had that was, was good for me that I was able to adapt is socially I was often quite lonely um, in D.C. Uh, when I first moved there, I moved into a house, a group house, thinking that that would be kind of my social core. And I would like meet new young people doing really cool things and NGOs in D.C. and kind of branch out to different circles and scenes and stuff. Um, but when I moved there, my house moved out. <laughs> so... I didn't, I was kind of like left alone for the first two weeks um, and that was really difficult um, until, but one thing it did, I feel like I won in the end because I learned how to be really socially forward or aggressive um, and learning how to uh, appropriately invite myself over for dinner um, <laughs> and other, other good tools were in like, in a, that's the reality I think in a lot when you move into a city is that, that's what one person said to me when I was there, it's like the reality is Isaac that when you move into a city you're lonely for the first year um, because it's, it's pretty difficult to, to make the social connections, um, yeah. So that was one thing that, a challenge that was good for me. Some of the challenges that never quite got resolved as that one did were, one was my inexperience. I said I was a caseworker and a lot of times caseworkers have uh, masters in social work um, and I had never taken a social work class before. Um, but the organization I worked with was confident in that what was really needed for my role was interpersonal skills um, and not so much a knowledge base or an experience base in the field. Um, but the, it didn't make it any, any easier. Their confidence in me didn't, didn't make it any easier. I constantly felt like I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, or why I was doing it, I often, like kind of was like mimicking other caseworkers, and and but not knowing why. And to this day, when people ask me what I did or what my role was, I still I don't have a really good explanation for it. So that's something that is continues to be a challenge um, in that situation. And paired with that was I was in a position of authority that I'd never been in before. I was the filter through which resources got distributed, um, and my, my actions and my decisions um, affected whether someone was deserving or not of, of food or toiletries, and we had limited resources, and I was, 
a crucial step in deciding who got it and who didn't. Um, and I've never felt so much like the man before. Um, a lot of times I felt like I was just another stumbling block for people um, and part of a system that was keeping people in homelessness. Um, so that was difficult <laughs> um, and something that I never really resolved as well. Um, yeah, so I'll end with that. <clears throat> I was serving this summer in Atlanta, Georgia with an organization called Emmaus House. Emmaus House is a mission of the Episcopal Diocese of Atlanta and started in, um, let's see, started in 1967. They had their 40th anniversary this summer, which I got to participate in. And uh, it is in a neighborhood that is predominantly African-American. There were less than 20 white people in the entire neighborhood. I was one of them. Uh, and the rest were African-American with a very small Mexican population. Um, so this was the first time I had lived in the city in the South. So it was the first time I'd lived, other than SST, which sort of counts, but sort of doesn't count, lived in a position where I was in a distinct minority. Um, and I wasn't really prepared for that before I went in. So about midway through June, I kind of went, oh, I'm going through culture shock. That's why I'm feeling these ways. And as soon as I was able to name that and talk with people about that, that was one challenge that made me better. Um, I was able to start asking questions. Uh, these questions were actually posed to me on the very first day of our summer camp with the children in the neighborhood when a first grader, Frances, asked me while I was helping her with her math, why are you white? And then immediately following, why do all white people hate black people? <laughs> I just sort of sat there thinking, yeah, I can't even answer that question for myself, let alone put it into language that a six-year-old would comprehend and understand. Maybe thankfully she moved back to her math immediately after that in the rapid-fire attention span of a six-year-old. But it did sort of echo these questions that I was having as a, living as a white woman in this neighborhood. Um, it was not the safest neighborhood. There was a lot of violence. That was a big first for me. Uh, and learning that I wasn't able to be walking around by myself after dark in the neighborhood, that there were certain areas that I probably shouldn't go to any time during the day. There was a certain amount of protection that was afforded me by working with the Mayas House, this highly respected organization, but there were often times where I just didn't feel completely safe. So that was, that was a challenge I could have done without, though I'm sure I'll learn more from it. Um, so another, I also had Isaac's problem of social loneliness. And I was living with six other young adults, but we came from such a variety of backgrounds that we had a very difficult time meshing, to, meshing together. Um, though, as the summer wore on, we were able to overcome some of our differences and work together, which helped a lot. Um, but yeah, looking back, probably the biggest challenge was this unexpected culture shock. I was living in my own country, this is the United States of America. It's supposed to be my culture, so I shouldn't culture shock with it, right? Not true. Um, definitely not true. But it was definitely a good thing to learn that you can be in some situation that is very familiar and still learn quite a bit.
Good morning. My name is Krista East, and this summer I was with Franconia Mennonite Conference in my home area of southeastern Pennsylvania. And if any of you are familiar with this wealthy suburban area, it might seem like a strange place to serve. And in fact, in the past, I've had a pretty critical and cynical attitude towards the Mennonite churches in this area, um, seeing mostly wealth, exclusivity, lack of diversity, and hypocrisy. But I made these judgments without really knowing or understanding much about the churches in the Franconia Conference area. And spending a summer with conference staff and a variety of area churches allowed me to see my home area with new eyes. I um, chose a song this morning that speaks of renewal. I experienced renewal in two ways this summer. I was renewed personally, finding and interacting with a wide array of people who are striving to live faithfully, to use their resources wisely, and to serve both neighbor and stranger alike. And I also realized that the church, in all its contexts and forms, is in need of constant renewal, and that the churches of Souderton, of Franconia, of Bali, will not experience renewal if everyone turns their back on such areas for nobler and more service-worthy locations. So I was very grateful this summer to be able to work with and interact with people who are honestly seeking to serve and bring renewal to the wealthy suburban area of southeastern Pennsylvania. Um, and if you will join with me in praying for this continued renewal through turning to hymn number 363, Renew Your Church. And we will sing, I think, just verses 1 and 4. My name is Emily Suara. I spent the summer serving with Urban Ventures in downtown Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, 
I am from the Twin Cities area, uh, but I live in a suburb and I spent the summer living with my parents. And to go from living in the suburbs to serving in downtown Minneapolis was a very different experience and it opened my eyes up to a lot of the things that goes on that I don't understand or deal with on a daily basis. So Anne and I would like to share with you a short scriptural reading that illuminates some of my experience. From Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed is Shawanda, who cried every morning of summer camp because she wanted to go back to bed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed is Lenicia, whose father had been taken away from her for reasons she didn't understand. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed is Victor, who couldn't speak English and refused to leave a room unless I went with him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed is Valentine, who asked all the questions in Bible class that I couldn't answer. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed is Alex, who gave a band-aid to every child who got an owie, or even just pretended. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed is Carla, who carried her baby sister off the bus every afternoon. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed is Ian, who held the angry boys apart. You are the salt of the earth, O people. I am the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth, O people. How can I show them the light? Love them as they have been. Love them as they are. Love them as they will be. Serve them as they have been. Serve them as they are. Serve them as they will be. No matter how different, love, love them. Hi, my name is Matt Harms, and this past summer I volunteered with Habitat for Humanity in the Dominican Republic. I went as a construction volunteer, but to be perfectly honest, I didn't quite know what to expect. As it turned out, I ended up working in three different towns, San Juan de la Maguana, San Francisco de Macorís, and Nagua. At each location, I helped lead short-term volunteer groups from the United States and Canada, and together alongside Dominican workers and partner families, we built homes out of concrete and concrete block. Now, I've come away from this summer with a lot of fond memories. Memories of the people, memories of the places, and memories of the food. In fact, I was so fond of lavandera dominicana, the typical Dominican meal consisting of rice, beans, chicken, and salad, that some of my Dominican friends endearingly dubbed me El Comilón, the glutton. <laughs> when it came to food, I always had my fill. And it didn't just stop with the food. I had my fill of plenty of other important things in life, too. In San Juan, for instance, my host family tried to make me feel like one of their own. They filled me with care. And they insisted that I stay in my own room, and they insisted that I have one of the two fans in the house. On one lazy afternoon, while I was doing laundry out in my backyard with my little brother Francie, he made it clear that I was more than just an American visitor. While I was hanging my clothes out to dry on our barbed wire fence, two neighborhood girls yelled at me, Americano! Americano! And Francie turned and yelled in response, Ay! I'll say I'm a Mateo! Hey, his name is Matt. <laughs> in El Factor, a small town near Nagua, the children in a habitat community filled me with laughter. One of my little buddies, Oscar, greeted me each day as a torito, 
a little bowl. He'd dig his feet into the ground a couple of times before lunging at me, trying to gouge me with the two pieces of wire wrapped around his earlobes. <laughs> On other days, kids greeted my ridiculous attempts to dance la bachata with the neighborhood girls with howls of laughter. Each day I got up prepared to serve, ready to empty myself. But each day, no matter where I was, I felt full, full of care, full of laughter, and full of energy. As it turned out, those I was serving filled me to the brim each and every day. And I left as nothing more than a glutton, and call me alone. Good morning. I'm James Weber, a senior. Um, I was in Honduras with um, an MCC, a Mennonite Central Committee partner organization um, called El Proyecto Mama. And my project was to work on a promotional video. Um, we'll have it up without the sound. Um, you can kind of watch it and listen to me. Um, yeah, so basically, I was there making this video. Um, and um, yeah, so. It's a promotional video for this, um, the, the MAMA project. They are uh, basically a women's organization that works with education, health, and all kinds of things that you'll see up here. Um, basically, I asked MCC, what can, you, what can I do for you? And they were able to find this opportunity for me. And oddly enough, it was with or the head of the um, El Proyecto MAMA was the roommate of my mom when she was living in Honduras like 20 years ago. So she was also, ended up also being my host family, or host mother, so it's kind of nice knowing, the, knowing people before I went. Um, yeah. And as to, yeah, I was in a different country and people ask, so Honduras, weird, how was the food? Um, what were the people like, that kind of thing? But coming back and talking to some of the other SIPers, um, like as Anna said, she went through a lot of culture shock. I really didn't feel like I did that. I went through that kind of culture shock. I just kind of felt like um, that it was home for me for three months. Um, yeah, a couple of the things that I had time to think about over this time was um, a little bit about development and the theory behind what MCC does. Um, and I think they're doing a good job. Um, I also had time to look at how church is experienced there. And, um, and I definitely saw a lot of things that, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really like. But then I slowly realized that a lot of these things came from North American missionaries. And a lot of these same things are also present very strongly in our own churches. So um, that was a good experience. Yeah, overall, it definitely was a really good experience, just um, meeting a lot of new people, making a lot of new friends, playing soccer with a bunch of people every Sunday night going to the, um, the soccer finals for the country. And my team won, went to the, um, the huge riot or whatever it's called afterwards. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, so it was a great experience. Um, if you have, I'd say, try it as an IP. It was good experiences, bad experiences, but try it. They're all experiences. Um, we're going to move on to a slideshow of some of the some pictures of people. There's a couple people who couldn't be here, and I think I got most of them in the slideshow. So these are just a couple pictures of people on, on location.
Thank you very much for entering into worship with us this morning and hearing some of our stories. Um, if any of you are interested in participating in SIP in the future, you can talk with either Bob Yoder or Tamara Schantz. And also today in the union, there'll be a lot of representatives from various service organizations, so be sure to check them out. And before you all get ready to go, if you would join me in a closing song and benediction. Um, you could kind of put your thumb in two places in the hymnal. We'll sing number 411, I Bind My Heart This Tide, and then close with a benediction of 763. And if you would all stand with me. Now to worship. We go now to serve. We have been given the light. We go now to let it shine. We have been blessed by God's love. We go now to share it. We are Christ's disciples. We go now to witness to all.